Scripture is so clear about our heart of thanks and our heart of gratitude and the need for us to have grateful hearts to God that, man, the conviction came when I read the first verse that talked about thanksgiving. So this morning is an opportunity. It's not necessarily a a celebration of, of warm, fuzzy thoughts, but instead it's an opportunity for us to grow as a church family and for us to move from the state where we're at which frankly is is not exceedingly grateful people, to a true heart of thanksgiving, a true heart of thanks for God and what He's done. And honestly, that is going to really fuel us with joy for our day-to-day living. And if you're like me, it's just so easy to get caught up in the the rut, the routine, the stress from day-to-day. And the mental outlook is often frustration or negativity or stress. But God wants something so much bigger and better for us. He wants you to have joy. He wants me to have joy day to day. And this grateful heart is really a huge opportunity for that. So as we study these scriptures, um, the prayer is that the Spirit would work in our hearts in a great way and change us and reshape us so that we can get out of the rut of uh, fleshly living that, that we so often get into and we can escape to a higher standard that God has for us of, of thanksgiving. So as we give thanks, 1 Thessalonians 5 will be our kind of our central passage. And I wrote 18, but let's start in 16 because it has a couple of thoughts that are just so critically tied. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The One who calls you is faithful, and He will do it. As you can tell, this is wrapping up a letter uh, to the Thessalonians. And in it, the last few things, the last thoughts among them that that, uh, Paul really wanted to communicate, things that just would shape and impact how these people lived, among the top were give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. And this is an attitude, it's a perspective, it's an action, it's even a form of worship. It's all of these things. It's an entire uh, consuming part of life that we can either have an attitude of thanksgiving or we can struggle into uh, not having a grateful heart. And, for, and unfortunately, I'm really convinced that in my heart, in my life, and in each of our lives, we have so much to learn about being truly grateful people. So the prayer is, is that we'll be able to study this and at least start... Now remember, as we've said often, the only time that this is really going to impact us in the way uh, that God intends is one, that we have open hearts, but two, that we don't leave it here. That this next 45 minutes, 40 minutes is not the only time that we touch on this. This is the only time we look at these verses, the only time we think on these things, the only time we talk about them as a family. The change will be minimal, I'm afraid to say. But if we can really commit to purposing to work on this, to talk about it with each other, to pray for each other. Uh, Boy, the Lord could do some really, really great things uh, in our church family and in our lives. So 
So let's, let's start with it. We read the, the first passages there, and those are huge. Let's, let's break it apart slightly. One, there's a very, very, very strong statement. So many times we search for God's will for our life, right? What does God want me to do? Uh, what, what does God have me do in this situation? Where are we supposed to go together? Well, he comes out and he says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do we want to know what God's heart is, His will is for your life, for my life? It's to be a grateful person. It's to be a thankful person. And again, it's, it's an attitude, it's a perspective, it's action. It goes throughout every part of life. And he says it very, very strongly. This is what God wants from you. This is what God wants from you. Secondly, it's no accident that it's tied in uh, with two other things. The, what was verse 16? Be joyful always. Verse 17, pray continually. And then verse 18, give thanks in all things. These are not unrelated issues. These are all critically tied. Uh, joy. Joy is a, is a hard concept. What do we know about joy? Where does joy come from, first of all? According to Galatians 5. I'm, yeah, Galatians 5. Where does joy come from? The Spirit. Joy is, from, joy is supernatural. It's from God Himself. It's a gift that the Spirit will produce in those who truly know Him and who truly follow Him. Joy is critical to giving thanks. Uh, I, I gave you a suggestion there that I think contentment is really, really linked to joy. Others have explained joy uh, with a perspective. They've said that it's Jesus first, then others, and then yourself. A priority of service and giving preference to Christ and to each other. And then finally, the why, the you, is last. And some have suggested that because we don't have that proper order, we don't have joy. But joy is critically linked to giving thanks. And so I think that would really suggest that a grateful heart is from the Spirit of God. And that would suggest that we have to know Christ personally because we know that those who know Christ personally have the Spirit and have this ability to please God. And the great thing is, is if we really want to talk about gratitude and thanksgiving, no better place to start than what Christ has done for you. No better place to start than to examine that Jesus Christ gave His very life to pay for your sins so that you can have that intimate, special relationship with God. And once you understand that and buy into that and believe that and receive that, the simple act of faith opens the door to a life of, of joy and a life of pleasing God and a life of gratitude. We have to come back to that because joy, gratitude are gifts from the Spirit. Prayer is linked in there. No accident whatsoever. It's been said that prayer equals dependence. Prayer equals dependence. And I'd like you to keep these three concepts in mind as we go forward. Because as we, we look at what God wants for a grateful heart, we'll look at some opposition. And I think you'll see that joy prayer or dependence on God and a grateful heart are so linked and there's a couple of key things that get in the way of that, that get in the way of us fulfilling God's will for you in Christ Jesus.
So I wanted to give you this verse because I, I'm convinced it's one that we can memorize. We can come back to it constantly. We can use it as a, a serious um, mental peg to bring us back to, to the proper reality that God would have us have. Rejoice always. Pray continually. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Uh, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So keep that in mind. The problem comes in that we are not a thankful society. We are not a thankful people. We have a lot of opposition to having grateful hearts. And Revelation 3, if you can turn there, um, has some really good perspective of another group of people that, that really had some opposition. And my fear is, the good thing is it's going to show us what's going to get in the way of my grateful heart. My fear is, is that I'm going to be able to relate far too easily with the problems here, with the oppositions. Revelation 3, another great chance to read these verses because uh, while all Scripture is God-breathed and inspired by God, here again we have words directly from Jesus Christ Himself directly from Christ. And in 14, he's talking to a specific group of people that had some serious problems. And you've heard of these people. These are the Laodiceans. These are the lukewarm folk as we know them at. And, and the problem is, as I'm convinced that one of the key trip-ups that they had was a lack of gratitude, a lack of thankfulness, a lack of having grateful hearts. Let's read about them. 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus allowed to say that? Absolutely. And He says it. He is so displeased with this group of people that He wants to puke. He wants to spit them out of his mouth. That's how fed up he is with this attitude. Well, what is, what's the problem? Keep reading. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. A little bit of historic background here. The Laodiceans were people that controlled a really, really valuable resource. There was water that was running to the area. And they had the, the main stream or the main source of this water. And the city had a lot of material wealth. The city had a lot of power and control. And frankly, the people of the city thought that they were all that. They thought that they had arrived. They thought that they were the best. And it had built and built and built an attitude. And the attitude was that you say you're rich. You say you have wealth and don't need a thing. And Jesus Christ Himself says, no, you're poor. You're naked. You're bankrupt. You're blind. The harsh reality 
is that when people have what it seems like at all, we get very, very ungrateful. We get very, very unthankful. And the, I'm convinced that the problem with the Laodiceans was they thought they had it all. They thought they were entitled to richness. They thought they were entitled to respect and honor. And frankly, it turned them into people that God was just totally fed up with. How does this sound compared to our country? Are we a country that has a great deal of wealth? Absolutely. It's been said, and I, I, don't, I don't have a, a document on this statistic, but it's said that 95% of the world's wealth is held by 5% of the population. Well, we're part of that 5% population. We have everything materially. We have all the wealth we can imagine. We've enjoyed an incredibly powerful position as a nation and as people. And what has it done to us? We are ungrateful people. We are people who no longer give true thanks, frankly, because we think we've got it all and to be even more blunt, that we deserve it all. There's an a attitude of entitlement. There's an attitude of arrogance that has come into our society that impacts every one of us and it's destroying our hearts of gratitude. It's getting in the way completely of us being a grateful person. You can see the term that the Scripture gives to it. It's not a big secret. Pride. Pride has come into our hearts. Pride has become a critical part of our entire country and our culture. And we have gotten tied in with it. We're wrapped up in it. We are waist deep, neck deep in this pride that's all around us. And it's destroyed our attitude of gratitude. Take a look at Proverbs 8 just real quickly to just be reminded if the spitting you out of my mouth wasn't a clear enough picture, uh, Proverbs 8.13 uh, reminds us of what God has to say about pride. JP, are you there? Can you read that for us? 8.13. God says it, pride and arrogance I hate. And we're a part of that. Our hearts have become proud. Our hearts have become ungrateful. It's subtle, right? But think about your own life. Think about your own heart. I'll share an example of my little family. My daughters have a tendency, especially as of late, to be a little choosy in what they eat. Christy has been working to kind of transform our menu, get the the uh, chicken and fries out from McDonald's and get some healthier stuff in. And our girls have gotten accustomed kind of sticking their nose up at it. Why is that? Well, unfortunately, they probably see that shown in their parents a lot of times. But even our, our six-year-old and our three-year-old have this pride to where they think that they're entitled to whatever they want to eat. They think that they're entitled to whatever tastes pleasing to them versus what will nourish them and feed them. And we wouldn't have to look too far. In fact, uh, my daughter Allie goes to preschool and she came home and one of the helpers had taken a missions trip to Haiti. And in Haiti, uh, as Allie talks about it, the kids there are in rough shape. Most of them don't even have food, let alone uh, the choice of whatever food they would have. 
And it really hit me that my own little family has become so ungrateful because we think we're entitled to not only plenty to eat, but we're entitled to our preference of food. And if we don't get what we like, we turn our noses up at it and we're not grateful and we're not thankful. In fact, we'll, we'll even uh, kind of pitch a fit and cause problems until we get what we want. And that's our kids. But do we do that? Are we picky? Are we choosy? Have we come to this point where we're just so filled with entitlement that it's not enough to have food that would nourish us. We've got to have a certain type of food or a certain quality of food, as we'd say. The bottom line is that we have become entitled in our minds. So much so that our entire society is getting to this point where it's all about me. It's all about me. And this has to stop. If we're going to obey God when He says that my will for you is a grateful heart, we've got to take a strong, hard look at what have we become. Are we a thankful people or do we take things for granted left and right? And I don't know all the answers of how to get past this, but somehow we've got to get back to a healthy, proper perspective of being grateful for everything that we've been given. And my hope is, is that our next three points here will remind us of where we've been, where we're at now, where we're going. And in all of that, try with God's help to develop a healthier perspective of gratitude and thanksgiving. Because this pride is so dangerous. It's the same sin that uh, the devil had. It's the whole reason that uh, Lucifer fell from being the most glorious angel, from being God's right-hand man. His pride when he said, I will be like the Most High. That's what started his entire downfall. This pride will take us and it will actually brainwash us. Do you honestly think that it's rational of Lucifer to think that he can beat God? He knows how huge and mighty and powerful God is. But the sad part of it is that pride is so blinding, it can literally make us go crazy. And we as people who should have every reason to be thankful and to be grateful, can be so warped by pride that we can chuck out all the blessings that God has done for us. We can chuck out the window anything in that each other has served us in. And instead, we can focus on this perspective that, no, I'm not getting enough because we are so entitled in our minds. This has got to change. There is no hope of pleasing God if we are completely wrapped up in ourselves. We've got to get past this. So let's take a look at what God has to say about it. Where have we been? And I was excited because this morning, too, uh, we started on this when we were looking at uh, Christ's sacrifice. Victor brought us to the same passage uh, to remind us about where we've been. And what we need to do is ask God to change our hearts. We need to ask God to convict us where we're sinning and to reshape our perspective uh, to give us grateful hearts. So let's start in Ephesians 2. Again, Victor took us here earlier. We'll read those same verses again.
verses 1 through 10, try and get another picture of where we were uh, before Christ rescued us. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Objects of wrath, spiritually dead. What do we deserve? Are we good people at our heart? Do we come from noble past? No, spiritually we were dead people. And as Victor painted a picture of a lifeguard, um, my dad once painted a grosser picture of a dead raccoon on the side of the road. And his point was is that dead raccoon has no chance of working itself back to life or working itself back to favor uh, in a favorable position. And that's you. That's me. We were dead, wrecked by our sin, spiritual bankruptcy, completely without hope. We can't forget that that's where we started. What does a person dead in their trespasses and sins deserve? Hell, according to the Scripture. For the wages of sin is death. We deserve nothing but punishment for our own sin. But read on, verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace you've been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we're going to have grateful hearts, let's remember where we've come. Let's remember where we were on our own. We were spiritually dead. And God gave us life. He gave us a chance. He gave us a new start. And He did that for a specific purpose. Verse 10, because He's got works lined up for you to do to serve Him and to honor Him and to please Him. Did He need you? Did He need me? Absolutely not. But for some crazy reason, the God of the universe decided to take you from your lowly state, me from my dead state, and make you alive in Christ and turn you into a a person who now has the ability to actually honor God because He's lined up things, acts of service for you to do for Him and to bring Him glory. It's an awesome thing. One of the few times that we can truly use that word because it is unbelievable, the grace and mercy of God. And He's taken spiritually dead people and made us alive. So what do we deserve? What are we entitled to? Anything we've been given other than damnation is a gift from God. Anything is blessing. And we have to stop taking for granted 
all that God has given us and start to have attitudes of gratitude. Colossians 3 is another verse that touches on this. Perspective, I would say Colossians 3 would focus on uh, perspective. And don't read ahead to verse 4 because that's coming later. But verse 3, 1 through 3, says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This verse takes it even a step further. What are we entitled to? Absolutely nothing because we are dead. And even being brought back to life is not us being brought back to life to live for ourselves. It's about us continuing to be dead in Christ. I'm sorry, dead to self, alive in Christ. Any life that we have is in Christ. And that's how it should be perceived. That's how we should view our life. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about whether or not you're getting what you think you deserve or what we want. It's about Christ. Where has Christ put us? What has He given us for work? What are we to do to please Him? Where does He have us? That's where we have to be grateful. That's where we have to be content. 2 Corinthians 9.15 is another great verse for memory. I'd encourage you to memorize that if if you haven't gotten a chance to do that yet. But again, it gives perspective of where we were. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And if you even back up another chapter, you can read through and you can see uh, a very clear statement of that indescribable gift where Christ, although He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that you through His poverty might become rich. That's where we've been. Spiritually bankrupt, spiritually poor, spiritually dead, and Christ has made us alive. If we can remember that, one, somebody, and I don't know who, but I think it was a good statement, someone said, preach the Gospel to yourself every single day. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but one of them is that it keeps our head level. It reminds us of where we've been. It reminds us that we are nothing, that we are dead to self, and that any life that we have is only in Christ for His glory and for His purpose. So let's focus on that. My encouragement to you would be to take these verses, jot them down, and study them through the week. Talk with them with other people. Commit them to memory so that in those times we can develop this attitude of understanding and perspective. Yeah, I need to be grateful because I deserve nothing and I've been given so much blessing. So much blessing. So where have we been? We were dead. Where are we now? We'll take a look at 2 Peter 1. This is cool because we've been using this verse uh, with other times. Ethan shared this in in his uh, message about God's generosity. And we've been looking at it from, from the gifts that we've been given, but there's, a, little not, uh, there's a, a slightly different view that we can look at it for this morning. 
if we're developing this grateful heart, look at 2 Peter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Let me start over. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Where are we now? Well, we have everything we need for life and godliness. And we like to look at this verse and it's true. We can celebrate that. That we've got all it takes to live for God. But don't overlook where that comes from. Not a bit from ourselves. Zero from ourselves. Anything we've been given to live a godly life is only from God Himself. It's only from God. His divine power. His divine power has given us everything. And that has to create a thankful heart in us because we deserve nothing. We do not have any good in ourselves. We don't have any smarts and wisdom. It all comes from God. And if we can understand that, then we can truly appreciate what God has given. If anything good in me, if anything for life and godliness comes from Him, then my heart can give Him thanks. But frankly, we've perverted that. We've changed that view. And we won't come out and say it, but I'm convinced that in each of our hearts, we honestly think that we are good people. We have to get past that. We have to get back to the drawing board and realize where we were, but where we are currently. Where we are currently is the only good that is in our life is from God Himself. And here's the harsh reality of that. If God leads my little family to poverty and barely enough to scrape by, then I've got to be okay with that. And frankly, I struggle with that. And maybe all of us struggle with that. If God's put me in a situation where I'm not getting what I think I deserve, or I'm not being treated the way I think I deserve, we've got to get past that. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. And if we truly have a heart of gratitude, then our attitude will be different. Take a look at uh, two very, very powerful passages about this, this point. Um, first, before that, Matthew 5.3. I wanted to read uh, that passage out of this little book. It's called The Gentle Art of a Servant's Heart because I think it really sums up this, this point of where we are right now. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Charles Swindoll writes, The attitude of being poor in spirit is one of absolute, unvarnished humility. What an excellent way to begin the servant's portrait. It's the portrait of one who sees himself or herself as spiritually bankrupt, deserving of nothing, who turns to Almighty God in total trust. The key to a grateful heart is humility. The key to an attitude of gratitude is having the same mind that Christ chose to have. And the two verses I was promising you, Philippians 2, turn there with me. Many of you can, can cite these by memory, but frankly, our actions and our attitudes show that we forget these verses all the time. 
Philippians 2, verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship from the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look out not only for your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus Christ Himself has has shown this attitude that we need. And if the God of the universe chose to lower Himself to have a humble approach where He considered others better than Himself, where He considered His calling to serve, and He showed the ultimate humility by dying on the cross, then certainly those who were dead in your sins, in my sins, and rescued, we need to have this attitude. And what are the marks of a humble, thankful heart like-mindedness, considering others better than ourselves, putting the needs of others ahead of our own. If these start to impact our lives, if these start to seep into every decision made, every action taken, every thought that we have, I am so convinced that our hearts will be grateful and we will give thanks in all things. Because if we are truly servants, if we are truly humble, then the perspective is clear. If we have a humble perspective and pride is is out of the picture, then we'll be able to truly see all these blessings that God has given us. But it's not going to be until we wipe the pride from our lives. It's not going to be until we go back to Christ's attitude of considering ourselves no better than others, considering ourselves not deserving of anything and get back to that total dependence on God. Romans 12, 3-5, write that verse down if you could. Romans 12, 3-5 is another powerful message of this that basically says, hey, don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought to. And we are so good at thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. We've got to come back to this humility, this humility that Christ Himself showed, because that is the key to gratitude. Remember where we are. We're in a place where anything good, anything profitable comes from God alone. We deserve nothing. We deserve nothing and yet God gives us blessing. And if we can remember that, then we can start to have attitudes of gratitude. Second Peter 1, we talked about. Matthew 3, 5. 2 Corinthians, uh, this is 2 Corinthians 2. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 and 15. Um, Write that verse down. I'd encourage you to study that so that you can understand the context. That's something that I'm still working through uh, to understand the specific context of that passage. But the verses were good to, to bring application. While the interpretation is important uh, to make sure you have the context on, uh, many of these verses apply to so many things. 
But another good verse to remember, 14 and 15. But, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. Where are we currently? We are in a position where with a humble, grateful heart, God will actually use our lives to show Himself to the world around us. That is a huge privilege. And if we could stop getting caught up in what I need and what I'm not getting and how my needs are not being met and instead focus on this, this privilege of showing Christ to all around us, whether the family of God or those who don't know Him yet, then we'll truly be where God wants us to be. And I'm convinced that we'll truly have this, this attitude of thanks if we can get to that point. And so there's the verses, good to remember, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. A perspective that I live a blessed life because I have the chance to represent Christ. And I'm going to have a grateful attitude because of that. So if we stop to realize where we've been, we stop to realize where we really are and that we deserve nothing, if we can truly understand and have this humility then our hearts will start to be thankful to God in the way they should. Then the distractions of a thankful heart will be moved out of the way so that we can have this gratitude that we need. It's not an overnight thing. We can't leave here in seven minutes and say, okay, now I'm going to have a grateful heart. It's a process. And it's a process of humbling ourselves. A process of spending time in the Word so that we can take on the same attitude that Christ had. And when we do that, we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, as Romans says. And we can have truly hearts of gratitude. Finally, where are we going? It's so important to remember that this is a temporary place. We were talking this weekend about how short life is. How short life is and how fast life travels. My uncles and aunts were just talking about how the grandkids were or their nieces and nephews were so little and walking around on Thanksgiving. We watched a video from 1986 and saw these carefree kids running around. And now some of these carefree kids uh, have grown up and have kids of their own and others uh, are graduated and in the, in the world and, and live in life. And it's just life flies. And if we don't have a proper perspective of where we're going, man, we'll miss the boat. So Colossians 3 again. Colossians 3 touches on this perspective. Specifically, verse 4. We shared the first three verses, but it says, Since then, verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That's where we're headed. That's what's ahead for followers of Christ. It's a position in Christ to enjoy His presence forever. And measure up 70-some years, 93 if you're, if you're grandpa, 93 plus. Measure that compared to eternity. And where should our perspective lie? And yet, frankly, we are so caught up in this 90-some years of give me, give me, give me, I need, I need, more, 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 that we completely miss the boat of the eternal perspective, that this is a short-term testing ground 
of how much we love our Savior. This is a, a brief snippet of time for you to demonstrate your love for the one that took you from death to life. It is so not about us getting what we think we want and need. It is so much about honoring God. So much so that 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5 is such a clear statement of the proper perspective. Verses 6 through 10, look there with me if you could. Second Corinthians five, six through ten. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home or in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We know this is speaking to those who know Christ as their Savior. We know that this has nothing to do with eternal security, eternal salvation. For those who know Christ, that is set. But it has everything to do with those who follow Christ standing face to face with their Savior and giving an account of the perspective that we lived with, of the thankful heart that we were supposed to show, and in our service to Him. And frankly, it's a scary thought to stand before the God of the universe, the searcher of all hearts, and give an account of how we live for Him in this short period of time. Because I know that my life daily is filled with selfishness and a lack of gratitude and an attitude of entitlement. And that is so far from what God wants from my life and from your life. Don't forget where we're going. We're going to stand before Almighty God and we're going to give an account of whether we live day by day devoted and dependent on Him, grateful and joyful for what He's given, grateful for the opportunities to live for Him and to serve Him and to show Him around us? Or will He have different things to say? Will He say, man, you got caught up in yourself. You, got, you were so busy bellyaching about how you're being mistreated and not getting what you deserve that you missed the boat in living for Me so many times. Let it not be so of us, brothers and sisters. We have to change our hearts. We have to change our perspective. So that instead of this false attitude of entitlement, we have thankful hearts, serving hearts, humble hearts, so that we can stand before God one day and instead of hearing about all the things that we missed the boat on, maybe we'll be able to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we need. That's what we want. That is a perspective that will last for eternity. And if we measure the 90-some years at best compared to eternity, where do we want to invest? Where do we want the joy and fulfillment and reward? Is it worth the snippet to sacrifice eternity? Or are we willing to dive into the Word and change our hearts and to be renewed and to become humble, 
thankful people. That's the only way to please God. That's the only chance of hearing that you lived it right, that you honored Him, that you pleased Him, is if we go back to that humble, unassuming, grateful way of living. And if we can do that, there is unbelievable blessing in store. And finally, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 is such a good verse to remember when we're thinking about where we're going. Because as hard as life gets, the victory is already won. That eternal perspective, it's in the bag. Christ has accomplished everything to guarantee that a life of humility and thankfulness lived for Him will result in eternal joy and fulfillment and reward. And verse 57 of chapter 16 brings it home. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Life is tough. And I'm told it continues to get tougher and tougher the longer you live it. Especially if we seek to have this humble, unassuming heart that God wants us to have. Christ lived an incredibly difficult life where people stepped on Him and kicked Him figuratively, even literally eventually. But the reality of it is that a humble, unassuming, thankful heart leads to a victorious eternity. Do we want that? Are we willing to put ourselves aside? Are we willing to humble ourselves and say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about what I think. It's about God and what He has to say. And if we're willing, there is unbelievable blessing ahead. And the cool thing is, is Jesus Christ Himself in John 15 said that that those who truly have the perspective, those who truly follow God's Word, and this grateful heart is a big part of that, then you've got abundant joy ahead of you. And that's not just on the other side of eternity. That's now too. If any of you know Liz, I haven't seen her unhappy too many times. I'm sure there's times. She probably goes in her room and kicks the door and the other side comes out. But, but she's got a joy and she's got a gratitude about her that shines. And frankly, she's a happy person. She loves life. And she works like crazy to serve, but she knows her Savior and she has such an excitement and joy and zeal about life. It's possible right now too. God wants you in this humble, thankful perspective to have abundant joy. And He promises it to those who will seek Him and follow Him. It's all here, my friends. It's all available to us for those who know God and are, and are part of the family of God. It's just a matter of whether we'll take hold of what He's offering. It's a matter of whether we'll move forward purposing to develop thankful hearts through humility and gratitude. And if that's the case, man, watch out uh, because this, this community, this world, will get to see a church family that is just on fire for Him. And I'm convinced that you'll be so grateful when God Himself says, well done, you lived a grateful life. You had a heart of gratitude. Father, this is all powered by You. This is all motivated and uh, sparked by You, Lord. We can do nothing on ourselves, nothing on our own. So Lord, we go from here with no brilliance or um, incredible strategy that we've come come up with only with Your Word and only with Your 
thoughts that a, a humble, grateful life will be rewarded by you, will be honored by you, and in fact will even have abundant joy. So change our hearts, Lord. Touch each one of us. There's serious work to be done. There's serious transformation to take place. Start in our hearts. Uh, convict us of our sin. Give us a hunger and passion for your word so that you'll transform us into the people that, that you so long for us to be. Thank you for using us. Thank you for choosing to love us. No good reason from our side. It's only because of your grace and mercy. So again, we throw ourselves back at your feet, begging you to work, begging you to change us, and thankful for all the blessings that you've given. We thank you for this weekend, this holiday even, Lord, to uh, take a time out from the rat race and to be grateful, to be thankful. And Father, we pray that that attitude would continue, uh, continue right on through. Lord, we're starting a season now where we look at uh, your Son humbling Himself and coming to earth. What a great time uh, for us to, to be so dependent and for us to be learning this attitude of gratitude. Make it happen in our hearts, please, for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.